This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's coming up to 15 minutes past 7 a.m. on this Monday, June 25th. I'm Han with me, Joyce and Sharad Kutten. You are tuned into the Morning Run. Time now to take a look at uh, an issue that uh, caused social media to be up in arms over the weekend. Now, this pertains to the arrest and detention of lawyer and activist Siti Kasim. Now, while she has her detractors, uh, what's held the public's attention is the fact that here we have a lawyer who was arrested for apparently doing little more than her duty. Police initially arrested her on suspicion of abducting her clients and obstruction of a government's servant duties. Now, city has, the city has sin, since been released and the court refused the police application for remand. So on the line now, we have Ivy Josiah, a women's activist who was at the police station yesterday. Good morning, Ivy. Now, at the heart of this all is uh, actually the 24-year-old uh, woman, Anis Nur Izati, right? And... and uh, her mom apparently made that report, which led to the arrest of Siti Kasim. Talk to us about you know the, the implications from what actually transpired over the weekend. What's your main takeaway from this? See, my main takeaway would be there is an alarming pattern here. So in my 30 years or so working on domestic violence issues, usually when a parent makes a police report to say that my daughter, and usually it's an adult daughter, has left home, uh, the, the, the allegations would be that she's left home, she's deranged, that she's being influenced. In this case, I understand that the mother has said that she has lost her faith and her akida was in question and that she's been kidnapped. I see a pattern here. And the moment a parent makes a police report, all weightage is on the parent. They do not have, they do not really investigate, even though the, the, the victim, in this case, Anis, has made a police report to say that I've left voluntarily, that the parent was abusive. I, I see the pattern whereby even when the victim makes a police report to say, I have leaving home adult, and she's, this is an adult, leaving home voluntarily, they do not really investigate to find out what's the other side, but assume that the victim is under some strange influence, in, 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 the case that I, in the cases that I've been uh, dealing with, you know, influenced by women's aid or the social workers, in this case, they're saying that City Kasim has had some kind of bad influence over her. So the, for me, the voice of the victim, or in this case, the voice of Anis is unheard. In fact, she was taken away from uh, City's house, and we can see in the video, she is protesting. She's saying, people, people, this is not true. I've not been kidnapped. And she's, in a sense, being detained, inverted commas. When she's been detained, she's left in a room as if, she is also you know, a criminal. So for me, where is the investigation? What are the standard op- operating procedures? What is the Inspector General's um, you know, orders around this? What are the steps that one takes before you establish that a person has been kidnapped or is under some influence? Or, you know, or in, and in the case of Anis, I believe she was also sent to the hospital for a psychiatric um, you know, um, um, a psychiatric evaluation. So where is the investigation? Is it a case of arrest and then you investigate? Ivy, uh, sorry to interrupt. So earlier you, you mentioned that uh, it's usually just da- it's, uh, daughters involved. Uh, why this pattern though? That's a good question. Why daughters? See, again, it goes back to domestic violence or domestic abuse. In a, in a family, daughters are more controlled. Women are more controlled. So while we are all familiar with the wife being controlled by the husband or the husband being a perpetrator, very rarely do we speak about 
parents who want to control their daughters. So when the daughters decide that they want to live, live their own lives, choose their own partners, and I'm not sure in the, in the case of Anis, I, I want to make, make it clear, I'm not speaking on behalf of Anis, I'm not clear of the case, uh, but whenever there's a daughter, um, there is this assumption that daughters can be controlled, that daughters still come under the influence. They have to be controlled and they have to follow the orders of the parents, no matter how old you are. Uh, Ivy, one of the concerns, and I think it was coming both from the legal fraternity and the, the public at large, was the, the conduct of the police. And I know that you were involved uh, on that uh, Royal Commission uh, on the police uh, some years ago. Is there something about the culture that the police have as an organization that needs to be corrected? Do you see this government pushing forward based on the recommendations that you and others had made during that uh, commission uh, you know, in t- that that could address these issues? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, in, in, in a whole chapter in, by the police commission, this was in 2004, we did address the issue of, you know, arrest and then investigate. There was, we saw a pattern happening, not only in these kind of cases, but in, even in other cases. Let's say I make a report that, you know, my neighbor is a, a, a drug seller. You go in and haul in the person without investigation. You bring in the person in there and then you start investigating. So I, we see a, definitely a pattern here that in your criminal procedure code, uh, in the way you conduct the investigation, there appears to be immediately a, a response uh, whereby the person who's been uh, accused, you know, allegedly, you know, you don't really know whether the person is, you know, is guilty, that person's already put through some kind of trial. Um, so there was a very strong recommendation that the, that the, uh, the, the SOPs, that the, uh, the standing orders should be very clear that investigation must be thoroughly carried out before you take a person in. In the case of City 2, she spent one night in jail, right, in, 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 uh, in detention rather. So again, the, uh, have you investigated properly that she was indeed obstructing uh, justice, obstru- obstructing public officers? Uh, conducting their duty, uh, did you investigate to see whether this was indeed a kidnapping? Because you know the the, the Anas did have keys to the house; she was able to go in and out. So, where to what length did you investigate? So, that was a very strong recommendation. The other strong recommendation, very quickly, is we have to set up an independent police commission. Okay, I just want to come to a statement made on Twitter by lawyer N. Surendran from uh, PKR. He says, there's no need for remand for simple obstruction cases. They, can, uh, they, they, they being the police, can take her statement and release her. Uh, and he said he was outraged by the Slango police chief's attempt to defend this, uh, uh, this uh, application for remand. We know that remand in the past has been used as a form of punishment. Do you see that uh, as another, this instance as another example? Uh, Example of that, the use of, of demand for remand from the police, not so much to investigate, but actually to punish. Absolutely. I completely agree with Srindran that remands are seen as punishment. That means you already judge, jury, and all of that. You know, you already decided that this person is going to be punished without investigation. And in the case of City, who's a lawyer, she would say, you know, you can, she would, can easily say, I'm, and she has said, I will cooperate. I will come to the police station. Why did you barge into my house? Definitely, there is. You know, the subtext seems to be we're going to punish you, you know, for being so, for standing up to your rights. So, yeah, remand can be used as a form of early punishment. Um, right. And certainly I think that that's how it appears to be. Yeah. Right.
Right. I, I mean, now we have had plenty of commentaries since, right? Not just from uh, Sur- uh, Ann but also from Lawyers for Liberty, uh, y- yourself included. But one voice that's perhaps noticeably missing, at least from what I understand at this point in time, is uh, that there has yet to be a comment from the Home Minister, Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin. So what would be your message to him then? What do you want to hear from the Home Ministry at this point in time? I definitely think the Home Ministry, including the Minister, must take get hold of the uh, the Police Commi- Royal Commission's report, go through it thoroughly, look at the 125 recommendations, and see what has been implemented and what has you know, what has not been implemented. I think it's very important that his special officers understand that you know the uh, the IGSO, that is the Inspector General's um, standing orders, have to be reviewed. They need to unpackage what happened here and see what went wrong, what procedure was not followed, or if indeed were they making up procedures as they go along. It's really, really important because we are now living in a new Malaysia. There's a promise that they will ensure that there's going to be institutional reform. I'm going to be patient and wait for them to respond, but definitely there has to be a response, not just a response, not just a verbal response, but action taken against the specific police officer, and then the next step would be to ensure that this will never happen again. And we'll be waiting alongside you as well. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. That was Ivy Josiah, a women's activist uh, who was at the police station yesterday uh, when lawyer and activist uh, Siti Kasim was arrested. So, you know, plenty uh, that dominated the social media landscape, and I'm sure this is a conversation that will continue. Yeah, she was, um, Siti Kasim was released yesterday uh, right. when Ivy was there. But um, coming back to this, um, a lot of work has been done by Ivy and that commission on the police. I do uh, like her hope that uh, this government, and I believe uh, Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin did, in, has in fact talked about oh. uh, institutional reform with the police. Um, it, but that was some weeks ago. So the question is whether he's going to respond to this case in particular um, and uh, how that all kind of converges. Right. So I'm sure uh, Ivy and ourselves included will be waiting to find out from the Home Minister. Now, turning our attentions to the local papers here real quick with the uh, few minutes that we have left. So, um, you know, you've got well, let's start with an interesting uh, article that came out on the Malay Mail online over the weekend. Joyce, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've got the uh, the Malaysian Insight TMI being accused of acting like Joe Lowe's spokesman and that accusation uh, well that question really being posed by The Edge Yeah so the Malay Mail uh, wrote a story on this saying uh, why is TMI acting like Joe Lowe's spokesman this is what The Edge is asking so over the weekend The Edge uh, wrote an uh, editorial piece on I mean basically asking uh, with the question you know do a deal with Joe Lowe question mark are you serious TMI question question mark so the Malaysian Insight News Portal in a commentary on uh, June 15 suggested that the government uh, may have no choice but to do a deal with Jolo and they claim that um, Jolo recognised as the mastermind of uh, this case has reached out to investigators and I guess this uh, harks back to some uh, accusations in the past about the source of funding for TMI or at least by some quarters yeah the question of course is and, and these are the practicalities of uh, p- uh, prosecution around the world right sometimes you can 
can take somebody who's done something wrong and turn them state's witness. Basically, they, uh, by doing a deal, come on board and help you nab the more important, uh, you know, um, uh, actors in that particular case. So if the government feels that, if it's going to help them nab the, the real mastermind behind 1MDB, if it's going to help them with asset recovery, I mean, all these things could be in the mix for a deal between the government and Joe Law. I'm not saying, I'm just saying that, you know, in some ways, this is a reasonable uh, series of questions that can be asked because this is not an unusual route to take. But then this, uh, that line of reasoning uh, has the edge asking or assuming, you know, why is TMI acting like Joe Lowe's spokesman? <laughs> yeah. That's, so, you know, I, I guess it depends on how you really frame all this, yeah. right? I, I do think, though, the edge of, of late has also taken up, taken up cudgels against other media and the Straits Times Singapore in particular uh, over the questioning of... Uh, uh, all right, so uh, now moving on to other papers, uh, you've got uh, UMNO's uh, well, elections over the weekend for the youth and Wanita wings, I believe. That's dominating the front pages of the NST and Utusan. Uh, Shura, yeah, I believe you, oh. the UMNO, that's one. Yeah, you also have uh, Utusan saying what Norani, Ashraf, Zahida, Menang. Is that what you have, Sharon? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's the front page. And also has Jangan but Nostalgia Lagi, said oh, Zaid Hamidi. Okay. Oh, don't look back at the past. I mean, he's getting, trying to get uh, what must be a devastating result for his political party and also the prospects of defections that are going to eat away at uh, their parliamentary representation in the coming uh, months and years. So uh, to recover, he believes, and I'm referring to Zaid here, that believes that Zaamno uh, can come back to power at the next general election. He also believes that uh, they can form a new multi-ethnic coalition. Hmm. Uh, well, you've got, uh, again, Utusan listing out all, the, uh, all those who won their respective roles over the weekend. And going back to Zaid Hamidi, his opponent coming up into this coming weekend's Amno uh, uh, party elections would be Kuli, and he's getting his fair share of the front pages of the local dailies. Yeah, so Malay Mail's headline, Kuli claims the lead. The Sun's headline, Edge for Kuli, that's a question mark after that. Right, you know, whether or not he can pick Amno up from the ashes <laughs> of G14 and like a... Uh, oh, are you, are you trying to reference Phoenix, the Phoenix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phoenix <laughs> rising from yeah. the ashes. You know why? Because I was in Istanbul and I watched on TV this Edwan Ed, and he used that exact same imagery. This whole Phoenix, you know, flying over Istanbul skyline and whatnot. So okay, yeah, so that is fail. President Tayyip Edwan. All right, it's uh, coming up to the seven thirty AM news bulletin, and after that, we'll take a look at what's happening in Turkey and how it's affecting the global markets. Stay tuned right here to BFM eighty nine point nine. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.